Alrighty, welcome to another edition here of Beyond Eight Figures. Steve Olsher hanging out with Richie Ote. What's up, my brother? How's it going? Good. All good. Mary Goulet is actually in Croatia, enjoying the uh, the European landscape over there. It's funny. I was uh, I was reading an article uh, before we came on uh, about let's just call it affordable places to be able to retire, and. You know, this is, and we'll get into all the fun stuff here with our guest Doug here. Doug Morneau is hanging out with us, and we'll get into Doug. How you doing, buddy? And we also do this live, so good to see you on Zoom, well, there, my friend. Welcome, welcome. Um, and Doug, you'll be able to appreciate this, I'm sure, as well. Uh, but they were talking about places where you can retire for thirty thousand dollars a year, and so so San Diego's not on San Diego the list. was not on the list. <laughs> um, but what was interesting was there were a lot of uh, places on that list that I never would have imagined number one even existed like I, I think I know the world a little bit but when I read lists like that I'm like I don't know the world at all like you know and it's like we, we're so it's the best way to put it we're, we're, we're in such a little bubble here you know where and, and it's funny and Doug maybe we'll talk about this a little bit as well because I know you have expertise in a lot of different areas um, but it's it's really interesting to me because you know one of the things that I think about in business quite often especially in our business of doing what we do uh, in terms of helping entrepreneurs to to scale and monetize and market and so on by leveraging the power of new media, it, it's it's really interesting to me that one of the, the easiest ways to scale a business is simply just to take it to a different location. Like the the model itself works here. Why wouldn't it work mm-hmm. elsewhere? And and I've said for years that there is a huge opportunity for someone to jump into this this especially in this info marketing world that we live in. I've said for years that there's a huge opportunity for someone to take a course like like our course, Profiting from Podcasts, as an example, which teaches people how to land coveted guest appearances on podcasts and monetize that visibility, or Closing from the Stage, which is the new program that I'm releasing, which it's basically seven steps to, to seven figures from the stage, right? I mean, the, taking a program like that and simply translating it into a different language. Why don't you just license it? it well, it, it, right, but who do you do that with? Give a country away. Give a know? I would. I mean, I know there's. I know there's a guy in Brazil. There's there's a guy in Brazil. I forget his name, um, but he took Jeff Walker's product launch formula and translated it into Portuguese, uh, specifically for the Brazilian market, and absolutely is killing it. Like to the tune where he's doing more in revenue than Jeff Walker is. And you would think that, you know, how is that possible? But I bring that up only because there are so many places on the list. I'm like, I I haven't even heard of some of these places. And then, of course, surprising places like Medellin and, you know, Colombia and so on, right? And So, so you're killing me, though. Are you, is Croatia on the list? Croatia is not on the list. Oh, okay. <laughs> but but it, it reminded me that there's like so many places in the world that I haven't ever been. And like we live in such bubbles in our own little worlds here, our own little universes that we forget that there's so many other amazing places where people live just like we do in their own unique ways and they retire there or they have businesses there and and so on and so forth. So, yeah. Well, well and to your point, and then definitely let's get to the guest. Is, For sure. Uh, is we have, what, three billion some and it's supposed to be like six billion in the next one and a half, two years. That, that wait, wait, wait. Fast you're talking about population? Online. Oh, online. Okay. Online. So to your point, 
you're selling those and, and you have Jeff Walker clone down in Brazil. You got these other people. Well, we know America is pretty much online mm-hmm. and we know the English speaking's online. So if it's going to double and all of a sudden there's going to be twice as many people online, yeah, it just feeds into your, they're going to be speaking a different language. Yeah. yeah where they're coming from for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so let's uh, let, let's give Doug an opportunity to to say hello. So Doug Morneau is joining us, and uh, we're, we're actually Doug. Where, where are you hanging out uh, today? Where, where are you joining us from? In Vancouver, in Van- so Vancouver, a, a little north of San Diego. My favorite place to travel because you have such a great airport to get in and out of. Yeah, you said Vancouver. Yeah. Yes. All right, Wade. We uh, we we got a little little hot here on the uh, on the mics. If you can just take it down just a bit, both on mine and on Doug's, if you don't mind. Not Doug's. We'll do it here on the board. Um, but Doug, let's um, let's give you an opportunity first to to give folks an, uh, an understanding of, of really what you're up to in the in the world, and uh, and and just you've got such a storied background. I mean, it's an honor and a privilege to to have you hanging out with us here today. But uh, just right out of the gate, even before we get to more of those specifics, how how do you meet the criteria for Beyond Eight Figures? Have you exited? Uh, from a business for more than $10 million, or did you create or currently run a business uh, that grosses more than $10 million annually? Created and grown uh, as a media buying business. And is that your current business then, or is that uh, something that you had done? Uh, I just want to make sure everybody's clear on on exactly where you're at on that path. Um, Both. I created a business in that space, um, and I'm back in that business in this space, and we're launching some uh, new stuff as well that will probably far exceed uh, the media media businesses. That landscape is uh, changing quite quickly. Mm, Interesting, man. So, you know, I I think we have a lot of similarities, and of course, Richie, you know, in that boat as well of of being an entrepreneur for a number of years and, and creating multiple endeavors over those years. Give folks an understanding of uh, the background of some of the things that you were doing. And then I, I, even as I as I think I know who you are and what you do, I still have a little bit of uh, confusion or lack of clarity around exactly what your current business model is. So I'd love to jump into that as well. But let's take a couple steps back uh, and then let's take a couple steps forward. Okay. Well, I've been in the direct response uh, marketing business um, as a consultant for you know 35 plus years started uh, really heavily into direct mail and as direct mail evolved and we went digital, I obviously followed the digital space. And at that point, I thought what I needed to do was, you know, take, take a role in companies as their hired gun as a CMO and uh, they would pay me a retainer and I would manage all their advertising and marketing. And uh, that worked, that worked really well, but you know, that was really never going to offer me the, uh, the ability to scale. And uh, I approached a business guy that was very successful and we were doing a, I was uh, helping out with a fundraising campaign. So I went to ask him. I took him for lunch, and I went uh, with a big ask. I wanted a multiple six-figure check for this uh, not-for-profit. And um, he's a he's a smart guy, but he's also pretty tight with his money. So after three after me paying for three lunches with him, the the uh, the answer was no. But uh, from there, he said, "Hey, why don't you take your abilities that you're you're taking to these private companies? Why don't you offer them to public companies? They have bigger budgets." And he said, we'll give you a test budget, see how it works. And uh, that was the beginning of a very, very good thing because the the budgets were, you know, 10 times or 20 times or 30 times the budget that we're getting from the private companies for doing the same amount of work. Mm -hmm. And so specifically, and and just so we're clear, then how does that tie into what you're what you're doing now? Or is that what you were doing now? 
Um, I'm doing less work with the public companies. I'm, I tend to do more work with the venture capital guys that are looking to raise capital or get exposure for the companies that they're they're investing in or taking public. Mm-hmm. And then I'm doing a lot more lead generation these days. It seems the demand to generate highly qualified leads where you know you have permission to contact people by phone or by email is a very hot commodity. And I'm just super excited about the stuff we're doing in that space. Mm-hmm. Richie? Uh I could dive into that, just that one piece yeah. forever right now. Um, it's So when you started with direct mail and then you said you went into digital and you were doing media buying, are you specifically in a particular, like, are you on mostly Facebook? Are you across the board? Are you Google, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn? Are you doing all the platforms or where are you hanging out in the... Yeah, uh, we were doing all the platforms for sure. And I got very involved in the hospitality industry. I, I was speaking at a conference. I picked up two really large clients that had uh, multiple um, restaurants, bars, and nightclubs. And went very deep into that with um, with social and direct mail and just crushed it with them. We were getting like 30% response rates on our direct mail pieces for them. Um, and then uh, in terms of digital, where we're at now is I tell people, you know, I'm basically tactic agnostic. So we're looking to do whatever we can do that's, that's legal, um, that will move the sales dial in a massive way. And so, you know, I focus a lot on email because that still works, you know, when it stops working. Um, I'll move someplace else, but uh, using you know email marketing with influencers um, has just been an unbelievable way to scale. Mm-hmm. So l- let me—I I don't want to gloss over this here. Uh, you did just say a thirty percent response rate in terms of what you guys were seeing with your direct mail initiatives. Yeah. How long ago was that when you were when you were seeing some of those uh, response rates? That was probably um, fifteen years ago. Okay. Twenty years. Ago. Okay. I stopped, I stopped doing. I stopped doing that because the uh, I just couldn't scale that restaurant business uh, well enough. I still love direct mail, and mm-hmm. it, and it still and and it still works. And what I call a response rate, that means I mail a letter, and on Friday night when I'm sitting in your restaurant with my family having dinner, um, and I go up to the till and I talk to your your hostess, and I say, how many people brought a letter in today? that we mailed them and we count them mm-hmm. and then we flip up, we flip over the back where they've stapled the bill and we look at what we gave away and what the upsell was. And it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. I mean, I think one of, uh, one of an early teachers of mine, I, I wish I could give this person credit, but I don't remember who that person is, but I remember him saying, and this is probably about three or four years ago, so it's not even, you know, it's not that long ago, but I remember him saying something similar to, you know, what has almost a guaranteed 100% open rate? And the answer, of course, wasn't email, it wasn't social media, it wasn't anything other than a handwritten letter. Like if if you you handwrite a letter and you mail it to someone, it's almost always going to be a 100% open rate. And, you know, look, I mean, obviously things cost and you have the time of of writing out that letter and then the stamp and and so on. But at the end of the day, if you look at, I mean, what, Richie, you tell me, man, what what does the average, so if you want to get a decent opt-in on Facebook right now with, and I know, Doug, you're really all about, you know, targeted 
leads and sales. And let me ask you the same question. I'll just, why don't you both answer this question? If you're going to, if you're going to generate a targeted lead through traditional channels, when I say traditional, it's a funny term nowadays, but I mean like through Facebook or other sort of online media, what, what do you think you're paying per lead for that person to respond, come onto your mailing list, et cetera. Richie, you go first and then Doug, what do you think? So it was, so it varies a lot first. So I'll start with that because a lot of people were really trying to narrow down too much, Mm -hmm. I think. And the more hyper-targeted you are in some cases, right? There's always exceptions to these mm-hmm. rules. In some cases, it would get more and more expensive. Like a yacht. Like if you're trying to sell a yacht, you're willing yeah, to pay $10,000 yeah, for a it, highly targeted lead or whatever. It would get a lot more expensive. But what I'm noticing now, and I'm, but I'm also a person who likes to zig when other people are zagging, is uh, I'll kind of cover two things. I like now to go super wide and let your title and the picture pull them in and let the AI do the work. Instead, like it's gotten a lot cheaper. I, I noticed you're shaking your head too. It's like it's gotten a lot cheaper to go that route and just let the machine learning do it. They, I'm, I mean, I'm a smart guy, but I'm not even close to as smart as a Facebook algorithm. You know what I mean? Not even a fraction of a fraction of a fraction. And so I, I target via my pictures and titles or the thumbnail that before and then just let the machine do it. So that end, it's funny you mentioned the letters because I do a lot in the e-commerce space and a perfect example is Amazon. You don't get any of the customer customer info except the address. Mm. Yeah. And so we've been doing a lot of just letters to it and kind of a thank you. And mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, if you want to see how to use this product, go to this. Cause it's really like a fine line on what you can do with Amazon, mm-hmm. but then you could retarget them later once they got there. So it, it's, it's gotten, it's gotten very expensive. So are we talking like, 10 bucks, five bucks. What, what's your best guess to get a, a, a targeted lead? Like if you're doing your fish, the fish company, one is- like to get somebody who was going to buy a good, you know, a, a, so Richie, for those of you who don't know, he's involved with a, a company that, um, well, you talk about it, but yeah, it ships we, fish basically. Yeah. We picked the hardest possible thing to do, sell frozen <laughs> fish online, but it's really memories packages, fish. Oh. Um, <laughs> but that's like, that can be as high Not as 40 bucks. Yeah. That's going to be as $40. high as 40 bucks. Wow. But yeah, now we're doing some interesting new things, letting it go a lot wider to the point that I'm saying mm-hmm. and giving away this recipe book that's totally free and remarketing later, going to a messenger. And so, mm-hmm. but yeah. So for somebody to opt in for the recipe book as an example, what, what are you seeing number wise on that? Oh, that's gotten a lot less. We just started that. So okay. I'll be able to report back more, but okay. it's, it, it was like a fourth of the cost. Okay, so dropping down to maybe seven or eight bucks for a for decently. Doug, what, what what are you seeing around there? And I and I know you're really deep into this space as far as targeted leads and so on and so forth. Like, let's let's talk about what you're seeing on average to to bring in that that person for that conversation. Well, I'll just qualify what kind of person we're bringing in. So, with my current uh, the, the current client load that I'm working with right now, they're interested in high net worth individuals that can make investing decisions that are online that are likely running their own brokerage account as well as working with an advisor. And I need a, I need a valid mobile number and I need a valid email address and permission to contact them. Um, so that's a big ask. And mm-hmm. so we're running about 12 to $15 a lead. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's what I'll tell you up front. Our numbers are actually a bit less than that because I get bonused for bringing the lead cost down. Mm-hmm. So I get a, I get a, I earn a percentage of sales, like in terms of my media buys, my consulting that I do for strategy, 
and then I get bonus by bringing their costs down below, you know, uh, to the threshold that they like. Yeah. So let me just close the loop on on this conversation. The reason why I wanted to go down that rabbit hole was just saying, you know, seven, eight bucks as high as 30 bucks, high as 40 bucks, you know, 12 to $15, et cetera. I don't know how we value time nowadays, but depending on how you value your time, you sit down, you write this letter, you send it. Maybe you're all in for 80 cents, right? I mean, whatever it is between the envelope and somebody you know, on your team mailing it. I don't know, right? A, a buck, whatever it is. The point being, it's just funny how so much of what's old circles back to become what's new again. Yeah. And I know you're you're really big in, in, in email marketing and so on. As a matter of fact, um, it's funny. I, I just did a training. We've got a group. Uh, it's the most affordable mastermind that I've ever put together, which is called Blastermind. Uh, and basically on a monthly basis, I do a really high level training. And then we've got a Facebook group and people have access to me uh, for my guidance, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, um, so it's called Blastermind. And every month I try to ta- cover a particular topic, whether it's uh, around marketing or sales or online stuff or books or you know live events, affiliates, et cetera, et cetera. This last month, I actually did a training specifically around email marketing because to me, I just I feel like there's this this horrible rumor that's been spread like that face app is controlled by the Russians. You know, it's like this horrible <laughs> thing. And by the way, if you want a, a good laugh, connect with me on, on Facebook. And uh, I use that face app thing. And, uh, and, and I look frighteningly similar to my grandfather in using that thing. And of course, then everybody and their mother told me it's controlled by Russians. And I need to delete it immediately, but that's a whole other <laughs> discussion. Um, but the, the the funny thing is, it's like everything old is is new again, and there's this there's this whole conversation around well, email marketing is dead, and open rates are down, and people don't respond, and you just you can't do the same things that you once did. And, and I'm not going to sit here and say that it's as exciting as it was. I mean, growing up as a uh, well, I was born in 69. And so by the time technology hit, it was all new to me. It was all new to you. It was all new to everybody else. Right. And so you got mail like that was cool for a minute. And you're like, oh, sweet. I got mail now. Not so much. But nevertheless, it's still a very powerful tool to leverage. Well, gas was pretty hot at one time, right? Oil mm. was pretty big. Mm. And now we know solar and wind and all kinds of new stuff but people are still using gas right yeah you know yeah i mean it's <laughs> so it yeah and so i just did a training talking about the power of of email marketing and how it's still something that we need to be thinking about leveraging and still building that email list because of course when you when you build your castle on someone else's land mm-hmm. that's a very dangerous proposition right sure. i mean again you look at the facebook type folks whose rug gets ripped out from under them, Google decides to change an algorithm or whatever it might be, and all of a sudden your your well runs dry, right? So with email marketing, you still have the power of controlling that platform. And so you, you actually wrote a book on this, and this is a little bit different um, from the standpoint of you, you talk about renting email lists, and that's that's I mean, I was in the catalog business. I don't know if you know this or not, Doug, but I was in the catalog business for almost 10 years. And so renting email lists was really commonplace and in, in, in email or physical addresses, right? Just renting lists yeah, yeah. Was, was really commonplace in the catalog world. It's how you, it's how you grew your, your catalog business. 
And so your your book, Three Big Lies, The Real Truth, about renting email lists to generate targeted leads and sales takes on this conversation. So why don't why don't we talk about that for a minute? Because I know and and, and here on the show we talk about well, whether we're starting or, or scaling or exiting a, a business. I mean, in this case, when we're talking about, well, scale, this is one of the tools that I know you were a big fan of in terms of how do you scale a business today in effective, cost-efficient ways. And, and this is one of the strategies that very, pe- very few people use. Well, it's, you know, that's the common strategy that very many people, people use don't talk about. Mm. So- Dig deep with the um, with the Frank Kearns and the Ryan Dice, and you look through their stuff. You'll see it all at one point. You'll hear them talk about renting data. So the other opportunity with renting data or partnering, I call it. You know, the I guess the new buzzword is influencer marketing. Mm-hmm. So you know, when we're renting email lists, what we're basically doing is we're identifying a good, solid publishing company. So take the uh, Washington Post. Uh, for example. So they have a subscriber base, they have a printed publication, they have an online publication, you've subscribed to that so you want to get the post and the post sends out your ad, Steve, for your How to Start a Podcast to their subscribers. The other advantage of that media is right now with Facebook and the social channels, I know I was listening to one of your episodes of a couple of your guests that are in the, uh, in the nutraceutical or health and wellness space. Mm-hmm. Super tough to, to get your ads approved. Um, CBDs out right? There's no CBD. And the list goes on. So for people who are looking for massive scale, if you can't advertise on Facebook and and, and um, LinkedIn and Google, where do you go? So I'm stoked because I have an answer. You know, I can tell you every American that has an ailment that's on an email list and has put up their hand and asked for a, um, a solution. Hmm. I can tell you how many people have high blood pressure, how many people have, have high cholesterol, how many people are struggling with anxiety, how many people have planters, warts, you name it, I can, I can get that data. So if you have a product to solve the, their problem, it's very easy to, 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 pub, to partner up with that publisher and say, hey, let's do a test. Let's, let's reach out to 50,000 people and push the button and see if our existing offer that we've got can convert. And if it converts, the nice thing is that most of these guys have listed are three, four, five hundred thousand, maybe a million names. So if you can convert convert at fifty and make money, or as your nutraceutical guy said, break even, then guess what? You can you can pull the trigger real hard and step on the gas. And what's changed in our industry is now we've got retargeting and remarketing that didn't exist when I started. So now we go from not having a um, not having a custom list on Google and Facebook and a custom audience and the very next day because emails delivered um, within the hour, like a million emails, boom, an hour. So your web uh, server is going to get a massive hit and all your traffic is going to be in within the first couple hours or most of it. You're going to have a custom audience by the end of the day. So now you can go back and remarket and retarget and carry on that conversation and squeeze more value out of that media spend. Mm-hmm. You know, go ahead, Rich. I was just going to ask, do you use any of the Outbrain, Taboola, or any of that stuff to get on other publisher sites as well? I've tried it, and um, I'm not saying that it doesn't work. I would would deflect to Gary Vee's take on that. It didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. So I am doing some some influencer stuff that's similar to that, but it gives me a lot more reach. So I'm working with a group now that will allow me to create a long-form piece. So instead of a... um, instead of a short little piece that links to a landing page, where I'll actually get like a thousand words and they'll distribute it and it'll get picked up by major media publications, you know, uh, Washington Post, New York Times, 
uh, LA times because I get a better, I get a better reach that way. Mm -hmm. I don't want to name names here unless of course we want to, but does it rhyme with the storicals? Is that, um, the company? It doesn't. It doesn't. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so, so let's talk about that there, there, you know, there's a lot of different types of places you can go, uh, to, to dance in this world. Wh where do you recommend people start? I mean, we're we talking like an info USA or like, what, what are we talking about? Like, how do we even tap into this world of, you know, like I, what I just call the Washington Post. And I'm like, hey, Washington Post, I want to rent your email. List. Like, how, do, how does this even work? Well, I mean, if you're doing direct mail to, you know, the example we talked about, you're likely dealing with a list broker who's already managing the list. So the publishers don't typically manage the list. They have a broker to do that. So I would suggest if you're dealing with a list broker, phone your list broker and say, hey, do you do anything in the email space? And it's a yes or no answer. If mm -hmm. not, go look for somebody who has expertise in the space. Mm -hmm. um, you can always you can always go direct. The advantage of going direct is that you know you get to put all the labor in and test it and figure out if it works. The disadvantage of going direct is you have to put all the labor in and figure out if it works. You don't have any negotiating power um, or positioning to go in there and talk to the, the brands. So you said you would go in and do maybe a, a test. Uh, what? So first of all, what what are you testing? Are you are you then paying for that? Are you splitting? revenue that comes in what why would they say yes to it's like a sponsored email really i mean they're, they're going to have to say it's a sponsored absolutely email or something email. Yeah. and so that's probably going to have a lower open rate than a than a typical email that they send out because you're going to see the word sponsored with it right so kind of step us through why just t take us through the metrics. I guess I, I just want to understand this from a, from a cost perspective and a, and a metrics perspective and, and just give us some more detail around that, what it looks like. Okay. Well, it's going to say sponsored for sure. Um, but, you know, to address your, your, your earlier question in terms of, you know, how, how does that work? Um, so you would look for, look at the Washington Post, for example, or Inc. Magazine or Marketing Sherpa. Right? Go look at their media kit and drill down their media kit and read line by line to see what their advertising options are. You'll see newsletters, sponsorship ads, you'll see display ads, and sometimes you'll see they have a mailing list and they're willing to rent a list. Mm. So it can be as simple as that, but it really it comes back to, it's going to sound a bit boring, it comes back to who's your customer avatar. So who are your customers? Um, you know, Age, income, education, the basic stuff. And then the next question is, where are they? What podcasts are they listening to? What shows are they listening to? What are they watching on TV? What magazines are they reading? What hobbies do they have? Like, where else are you going to find them online? So if you were looking over your customer's shoulders, where would they spend their time surfing on the internet? And there's a really good chance that there's going to be several places that they go to regularly that they subscribe to people's email, and they're excited to get it and open it when it comes in. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So yes, the emails do say sponsored for sure. I don't know if the open rates honestly um, are lower. It really depends on the media. Like if you look at fast companies' open rates, they are ridiculously high. Mm -hmm. So what what would you and do you do you pay or do you only go at this with like some sort of affiliate type structure? I mean, how how do you? I guess in an ideal world, you you would want it to be performance based. Does everybody, does anybody sign up with a performance-based campaign like that? 
Um, that's the shift that's just coming into industry. But the answer is no. Typically, you know, when you buy an ad in the newspaper or on a radio station, you buy the ad, and if it doesn't work, they say you need frequency and reach. And I say, no, I need, I need conversion and sales. So it's a very similar thing. We're buying media. Mm-hmm. So uh, almost all of the media are a pay to play. So can so you no give us Facebook, right? Yeah. So give us an example then. So if we're, if we're talking about fast company as an example, and I'm not even familiar with whether or not they would do that. I don't know if you're using that as an example in terms of somebody that, that, that does it, but someone that you have experience with, what, what would you pay? Is it, and then is it just CPM just a cost per, per thousand? G- give us an example of what the yeah, actual numbers look like. It's a CPM, so for sure. There's, and it depends on the depends on the media. So I went to a very high end media like Meet Edgar, which is a financial reporting website, and I rented their database, and they wanted four hundred dollars per thousand to rent the list. After we explained to them that that was unreasonable, um, and convinced them to rent us a list for hundred dollars a thousand, that's what we paid to go out to their list. Uh, it took two years to negotiate a deal with them because they didn't really like the industry that we were in. And the campaign failed miserably because the people didn't want to get an investment offer from Meet Edgar. Mm-hmm. So we tried it. It, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's the CPM. And the CPMs will typically range between $100 per thousand to three or $400 per thousand. Mm-hmm. So you got to I mean, you obviously then have to test this and get things really dialed in. I mean, that's that's not an inexpensive proposition. What What is the average... Do you look at it from an average customer, like a lifetime customer value standpoint? How do you justify the expenditure? That's really depends, my question. It depends on that client. So if we're working with venture capitalists, the downside is there's no shopping cart. So I'm not going to go and order fish. You're not going to know that I saw your ad and I bought something. All, all I'm going to know is the metrics, how many people got it, how many people opened it, how much time they spent on it, where they, where they viewed the email, where their eyes were, where they clicked and what they did. That's the best I can do. And then on the back end, I'm expecting my clients to tell me what the results were from having conversations with those people. On an e-commerce side, it's very simple. It's transactional. So if you've got ads that you're currently running in direct mail and you're running on Facebook and Google and everywhere else that you know are converting, run a test and just run the metric. So if you say my lifetime value of my customer is um, you know, $5,000 um, and I can afford to pay you know, $20 to, to generate a lead, then it's just a simple exercise in Excel. Say, okay, the mailing list is 600,000 names. We're going to rent 100,000 names. Um, it's going to cost me you know, $5,000 to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, many, how many sales do I need to get? Um, and then mm-hmm. have the conversation with your ad guy just to, to see, you know, can you make that work? Mm-hmm. Do you actually do this for others too? I mean, obviously, you are helping other people do it, but I guess like almost the agency model as well, or how That's is pretty much all I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and you like to be able to control it from top to bottom? Because I mean, I could see I've done this enough that if they don't believe it the whole way through from acquisition to that, it's, it's real easy to have people get antsy and like start to almost pull out and not let you take enough control how do you deal with that yeah for sure and the vc guys are funny because email is so responsive so you know my world would look like this i typically send emails on tuesdays and thursdays because they have the best opening rates and so tuesday morning at 6 31 stock markets just opened up the financial guys in east coast are just uh, ringing me in vancouver and the first question they ask me is like hey how's it going they're going 
did the email go out? I'm going, seriously? Hmm. It's 631. The email went out like a minute ago. I'll tell you what, it's a one month campaign. Phone me back at the end of the week. And then I never hear from them again until they want to renew. Hmm. Um, so it's that response of that within five minutes of sending, people are phoning. Did something go wrong? Like, I don't see my shopping cart. I don't hear the bell ringing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like take, take a breath. Um, yeah. Take a breath, have a cup of coffee, go for a walk around the block and call me this afternoon. So yes, they do want to take it back like within seconds if they don't see, you know, I, I haven't made my million dollars yet today. What's what's the matter? Mm -hmm. So, and let me just make sure I'm, I'm clear on this. Your, so your current business model, you obviously help with strategy as far as your, your clients are concerned, but is, is your revenue primarily generated on a per lead basis? Is that, am I reading between the lines? Is that what you're saying? No, my revenue is generated on, most of the revenue is generated on the actual media because I earn a percentage, they earn a commission on the media. Gotcha. So that's a typical advertise. that's a typical ad agency model then. Yeah, that I earn a bonus on bringing their costs down. So, so for lack of a better term, or at least for this mind, for me to be able to wrap my arms around it, you're basically Leo Burnett that focuses specifically on lead generation, so to speak? Yeah, lead generation is what I'm doing most of my work in right now, yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And so going back to uh, the, the world of venture capital, uh, and I know that's near and dear to a lot of our listeners' hearts, uh, talk about your involvement in the world of venture capital. What, what does that look like? Because I think what a lot of people don't realize, and, and I can speak to this, and of course I'd love for you to elaborate, but I think what a lot of people don't realize in terms of venture capital is that very few venture capital companies actually use primarily their own money. And so, in other words, it's not like four rich guys sitting around going, you know, I'm going to go ahead and not four guys named Rich, but I mean, four rich guys sitting <laughs> around, you know, and going, hey, we each have 50 million in the bank. Let's take five million of our own money. Let's put it into a venture capital company. Let's start it. Let's start funding some of these, these businesses and, and let's see what happens. In, in most most cases, even the larger companies that have had tremendous exits, they still have these fundraising rounds, if you will, where they go out and they solicit capital, either it's from pension funds or from institutional investors. I mean, just you name it. They go out and they sell people on writing them checks to then put into some sort of, of typical fund like, you know, fund one, fund two, fund three, fund four, et cetera. And whatever happens with those funds for that particular, you know, numbered fund, those are the returns that go out to those particular investors. And so first and foremost, am I getting that right based on your understanding? Yeah. And often they're, they're like you said, they're, so they're raising capital um, or they contact me before they invest. So they're looking at, uh, they're looking at putting money into a company, a private company, and they say, Hey, we're going to fund this company. What do you think? Mm. Is the product marketable? Can you help us with the product if we invest? And then they, you know, not based on my advice, obviously, but I give them my feedback and they make their own business decision. If they invest, then what usually happens is they go, okay, uh, here, here's your cash, but you're going to hire this guy to do the marketing because they want some insurance that they're going to be able to sell the product mm -hmm. um, and they're going to be able to get an exit. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, so again, just to make sure that uh, I'm clear and the audience is clear on this, are, are you also then helping 
through this targeted lead generation, are you helping these venture capital companies find investors for their current funds? Is that that's also what you're saying? Yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's that's strictly what the lead gen is for. Absolutely. Gotcha. At this point, that's where the demand in the marketplace is, and the marketplace is ever evolving. Um, you know, we've got all the regulators that we need to deal with, plus all the financial regulators to deal with. So it's constantly changing and, mm -hmm. and you know, it's, it's an in-demand service. Well, that's where it gets interesting to tie together a few of the things that we've talked about. So you're, you're specifically, your big focus is email. But one thing that we kind of left out is on those other platforms, or you said, excuse me, email and a phone number. So, but the part that's interesting is on those other platforms, the Facebooks and Googles and like, you have to sign up with an email or a phone number. And yeah. so you, you have a way to be able to scale quickly when you can rent these lists and correct me if I'm wrong here, if you do something like this or don't do anything like this, but you can take these lists, you, you do the initial email, you get them to go back to a page, but then as you gather more, now you can go back to what I was talking about earlier. And now you put the emails that you've gathered and the other information into Facebook and say, Facebook, go find me more people like this. And so now right. you can yeah. also bring your cost down. Have you noticed um, anything as far as for a lot of people that are just getting started? So he was talking about scaling, but do you... Do you see this work with people who are just starting? Like, is there a certain place that they need a, an offer that's big enough? Is just someone just getting going and maybe they have a brick and mortar business and they're trying to go online and they're trying to do something a little different. Do you see this as a starting point or does someone need to be far enough into business before they even start using this technique? I think that they need to have an established product and service and they need to have um, an online presence that's got some conversion. It's going to be a very expensive way to test. So back to your point earlier, I mean, I would use AI to test. So we would run Google ads and we would run uh, Facebook ads using artificial intelligence. And we're just looking for the highest converting, um, uh, you know, headlines and then offers. And we test, 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 and get the very best intelligence that we can. And then, then I go to the um, then I go to the vendor that I want to rent the email from or have, do a sponsored email, and I say I want to test some more. So I want to do an A/B test. I want to test the subject line. So we're going to go to fifty thousand people or twenty five thousand people and get subject line A, and you know twenty five thousand people get subject line B, and we see what works the best. And then we look at the bottom end of the shopping cart. Did it work? So there's lots of tools that we've used before, but you do need to have some budgets to do this. This isn't something you can show up and say, okay, my entire marketing budget is five grand. Um, it, you need to have some scale before you get there. Where you can start at a smaller level, which is something that is in a course I'm currently working on, is in the cold email space, where you can purchase the data, load that data to Facebook, and load that data to Google, um, start running social ads, paid social ads, and pay-per-click ads to an audience, before you email them so you can warm them up to your brand. Mm. So when they get an email, it's not like, oh, who's this guy spamming in this cold email? It's like, well, no, I've, it's, you know, I've said it's a, it's a um, commercial offer, but you've warned them up. They're going, oh, yeah, I've heard of that guy before. I've seen his, his ads before. So there's a way to scale that as well. So you, a small company could do that 
um, internally as a start point. And like I said, I'm tactic agnostic. I'm just really looking at ways to scale. In some industries, the email, the ability to scale is ridiculous. The financial industry, the health and wellness industry, the opportunities there are um, incredible. Mm-hmm. Let's, um, if you don't mind, and again, because you've been through different iterations, different, uh, you know, endeavors over the years here, how long ago did you start this current business? How, how, how I just want to make sure we're clear on that. Um, I've been doing this current business now for about 15 years. Oh, about 15 years. Okay. And was yeah. it just you when you came out of the gate or did you, did, did you bring on a partner? What was your, what, what was your structure? <laughs> there was no structure. Okay. Uh, so that was, I was, I was working home base. And then one day I got the bad news. I was going to get kicked out of the house. Um, so, uh, my, uh, I hired our first uh, part-time employee and my sister. There's probably call. another, I'm, I'm guessing there might be a different, another story there somewhere, Doug, that, uh, you, you, but we'll, uh, it sounds like we'll, we'll gloss over that one. So you, 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 what do you mean getting kicked out of the house because of no mortgage or getting kicked out of the house by the wife? <laughs> yeah. By the way, the, wife, the wife's going, we're not having staff in the house. Go get an office. Oh, <laughs> okay. That, <see>. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. For, <laughs> Thank you for the, that's what I was wondering yeah. there. I'm like, did we get kicked out for yeah, yeah okay so we got kicked out because she doesn't anymore. want employees <laughs> in the house got right. it okay so so just you you start and how do you this is part of where i think a lot of people struggle is going from just themselves kind of doing everything to then bringing on that first hire what was, who was that first hire? Is that person still with you? And what did you need someone to do? Like, that's a big jump for most solopreneurs. I just needed somebody to follow up and clean up my mess. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, you know, um, you know, I'm the, I was the entrepreneurial guy, the, the big vision guy with no details. Mm-hmm. So was and it like I, a COO type person, like an operations type person? It was an admin. Admin I need, person. I need mm-hmm. admin help first and so i actually use a recruiter to uh, identify and hire somebody mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so take us through then how you began to scale what, what what were some of the things that you did in order to really scale the the business how, how, what what did that look like was there was there a key hire who really helped you scale i mean there's obviously people who help you with the cleanup standpoint and then you go out you make rain and, and whatnot but that only takes you so far so uh, how did you break through that ceiling? What, what, what did you do? Well, I mentioned to you that I got my first break from this guy I was asking to, um, uh, to work with me to raise money, right? Um, so that was my first big break because it took me into a new industry and it took me from a budget where I might be doing some CMO work for a client, uh, you know, charging them a $3,000 a month retainer and then, then services in addition to $50,000 a week in buying media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the first big aha. Um, the second one was I realized that there's a lot of people in the industry that say they can do things, but they can't. So I said, you know, there's 500 people who say they can write the check, but there's really 10. There's a thousand guys who say they can buy the media, but there's only five. So my goal there was to get as close to the guys who wrote the check as possible and then get as close to the end media as possible to cut out as many people in the middle. And so I really focused on developing relationships with the people who could write six-figure checks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was less about um, it was less about selling them stuff, and it was more about solving their problems. Like I have this problem, 
uh, can you fix it? And the answer is always yes, and then figure out how later if I didn't know how. So to, so to tie together the stories from earlier, it was the going from private to public company. So now you could get bigger initial check and more lifetime value. And yeah. then so the combination of that and then you realizing, hey, I need to formulate better relationships with these people who actually write those checks. So bringing it all the way back to Steve's question, you didn't have to get a bunch more people to scale because you were just getting bigger checks from even less people. Mm. Right. Now, I did, I did attempt to scale and it didn't work because what I found was that I couldn't find sales guys who could get in the same rooms that I could because my clients are very private. They're very ultra wealthy people. Um, most of them have a client car and a real car. Um, so, you know, they couldn't, they, I just found they couldn't sell at that level. So it was, you know, I'd have a sales guy that could go sell a $10,000 website and I'd take him to a meeting and I'd go sell the radio, like our local sports station. They sold a website for like a hundred grand. Mm. Oh, how can you charge so much? I said, look at the problem we're solving for them. Mm -hmm. Like it's not about building the website and charging by the hour. It's like they have a hundred thousand or they have a half a million dollar problem that we're going to solve for them. So I'm going to charge them a hundred grand. He's like, but it's not going to cost us that much to build it. I said, exactly. That's how you make money is, is, is not by the hour. Interesting. So let's, uh, let's change gears here just for a second. So you, you actually have your own podcast as well. Are you still doing episodes on a consistent basis or what, uh, what's been going on with, uh, with the show? Uh, what's the name of the show? Yeah. <laughs> not this week. Exactly. <laughs> not this week. I'm here. Yeah. Uh, the name of the show is real marketing real fast. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, I'm still, I'm still, uh, hosting the podcast and having a blast um i just love i use the show my monetization strategy for my show is simple find really smart people and use it as a pre-interview to do i want to do business with them mm -hmm. with, um, so with, are they a supplier and when you say do business with them would that be as a as a so they would be a client or that would be i mean like i just want to make sure i understand how you look at, at that relationship they would be a vendor so most of the stuff I do around relationships, I do looking for vendors. So, you know, the Direct Marketing Association, uh, I went to that conference for years and years and years. So I'm looking for the new vendors. I'm looking for the new shiny object um, a year, two years before it comes to the marketplace. Can you give us an example of what that means? Like what, what, what kind of vendor you're talking about? I'm, I'm not clear on that. I'm not sure that everybody's clear on that. So I interviewed a guy, um, Adam Hoy, who's got a company that's, developed a, a new CRM just just what the world needs is yet another CRM for sure right now his is different because it uses AI so I'm thinking oh cool I have clients that use I'm not going to name the brands but use all these different CRMs that their sales guys hate his system listens to your conversation on the phone listens to your conversation by email and it scores your clients and it rates them based on your sales process and the language in the conversation to who's most likely to close next God, I, I am, you know, it's, I, I'm both frightened and intrigued, <laughs> you know. Well, the Russians have your face already. They do right? now, that yeah, no, they, and, and all of my photos. All right, so interesting. Okay, I, I get that. Uh, let's talk about one other thing here in terms of um, the New Media Summit is concerned, because you, you actually joined us uh, at the New Media Summit as an icon of influence, uh, I think it was maybe a year ago or something of that nature. Uh, feels like it's, it, I know we've done a bunch of them and I, you were at new yeah. media summit two or three, I think. Um, anyway, just long story short, 
curious as to your experience of coming to the New Media Summit as an icon of influence, looking for guests uh, for your show, Real Marketing Real Fast. What, what was that experience like for you? Um, I, I think I came more to serve than I came to look for guests. Mm. Um, you know, I wasn't um, out looking for a bunch of new guests because I have a pretty specific uh, guest, you know, um, portfolio I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. But it was a, it was amazing. You know, so here we are. I think it was two years ago. And first of all, it was an easy sell to us in San Diego. So mm-hmm. any reason I can hop on a plane that's tax deductible, I'm in San Diego. Nice. Um, <laughs> and, and, and it was great. So I built some amazing relationships um, at the summit mm-hmm. and, and probably more relationships that have had a, a longevity than any other event I've been at. Mm. So when I started doing my coffee runs, because we literally had to run to Starbucks because the hotel we were in wasn't close enough, I hooked up with Tom Schwab. Ah, uh, yep. And I'm in a mastermind of Tom Schwab. Mm-hmm. And I met Adam and Adam I, and, and Justin. And I just went to Justin's event um, and was on his stage mm-hmm. uh, in Reading, Pennsylvania. So there's a handful of guys that I've connected with uh, as a result of the New Media Summit that I still talk to on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. So in terms of you know, people saying, hey, you know, you don't want to travel, you can't travel, you can do stuff virtual. Nothing beats meeting people face to face, pressing the flesh, having a drink, having a cup of coffee, going for a run and hanging out. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, did you end up actually booking guests from? Uh, were, you, were you surprised by some of the uh, the attendees? Did you end up, end up booking some? I did. I ended up booking a bunch of guests. Uh, mm-hmm. Several of them um, chickened out. Ah. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not ready. I said, "Well, define ready." Right. That's a good I, question. When I started my podcast. I wasn't ready either. I didn't kind of rehearse. I just thought, "I'll just phone up all the guys I spend money with as mm-hmm. vendors. They have to say yes, mm-hmm. and I'll talk to them." Mm-hmm. Um, but I did. I did book with several of the guests, and again, same thing. You know, Alana, when Alana was in Vancouver, we went and hung out and had dinner. Mm-hmm. So uh, I booked several of the guests. Um, I've been on several of their shows. I just on, I was just on Rob Dion's show. Nice. Um, his episode with me just went out live yesterday or mm-hmm. Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm still connected with those guys. Did book a bunch of guests. He was uh, interviewed by your buddy, DJ Doug. DJ um, Doug, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool, man. So for those, and from an attendee perspective, for those who are thinking about maybe coming to the new media summit in the future, we're, I mean, we're, we're sold out for September. Uh, our next one will be March, 2020, uh, in San Diego. For those who are thinking about coming to the new media summit to meet today's top podcasters, to pitch them on who they are and what they do and to literally get booked on the spot. What, uh, what, what having experienced it from an icon perspective, what, what would you say to those folks who are thinking about maybe coming to, to a new media summit? If you're gonna go, go and play full, you know, be all in. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I, I remember sharing that with one of the uh, podcasters that was presenting. Um, I didn't mean to make her cry, but uh, <laughs> uh-huh. but she asked for honest feedback, and I said, "You're not, you're not, you're not here. You're on your phone. You're doing this. You're doing everything else, and you're telling us that you care." And I said, so "Your actions don't look like you care." Mm. So, you know, I made that commitment to you when I went there. I said, I'll be here all in, which means I'm not going to be on my phone talking to clients and standing out in the hallway talking to people. I'm here to serve. And if you're going to go to the summit, leverage it. Mm-hmm. And that's number one. So be, be all in, be attentive. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, follow up because 90% of the people don't follow up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if 90% is the right number, but not many. So just be different. When you talk to somebody and say, I'll connect with you, surprise them, connect with them. Yeah. Yeah. Point well taken. 
All right. Well, look, we'll, uh, you know, we're, we're going to let you jump here, man. Really do appreciate you joining us on Beyond Eight Figures. And of course, if you want to get more information about the uh, the New Media Summit, you just go to newmediasummit.net uh, and, and join us in March. It'll be a hell of a good time. You get booked on shows right there on the spot. Uh, Doug, in the meantime here, man, I want to give you an opportunity to, to kind of wrap up. Of course, you guys should all check out Doug's book, uh, Three Big Lies, The Real Truth About Renting Email Lists to Generate Targeted Leads and Sales. Of, of course, check out Doug's podcast, Real Marketing, Real Fast. Any last words of advice, wisdom, anything that you want to share that we didn't cover here uh, as it relates to either starting or scaling or exiting a business? I guess there was two things. You asked me what the biggest tip was, and my, my biggest tip was fire your advisors. So as you scale your business, they're not willingly going to put up their hand and say, oh, oh, you, you are a six-figure business, you've gone to seven figures, you're beyond my, my ability, or you've gone to seven figures, you've gone to eight. You know, as your business is scaled to that, I mean, there's a whole bunch of other considerations that have nothing to do with running your business, mm-hmm. kind of like a public company. You need to start looking at liability and asset protection. And should you have all your assets onshore or offshore? You need to structure a family trust. Who are the new advisors you need to have? Who are the new banking relationships that you're going to have? Um, Mm. So for me, it was a big learning experience because a lot of the stuff that we've experienced now, I didn't even know existed. So there was no one saying to me, hey, when your business gets to a certain level, you never have to go to the bank anymore because your banker is going to drive to your house. Um, and do stuff for you mm-hmm. and they're going to book trips for you and they're going to so you don't know these things so you know just be wary of you know where you're at and okay. where you're going and then make sure the advisors and the teams that you've got accountants and lawyers and all the people around you your marketing guys can take you to that next level mm-hmm. and, and if not it's not a bad thing you know they helped you get to where you are you be thankful but then if you want to go on you're going to have to make that change mm-hmm. yeah great advice so best place for folks to go website wise otherwise how do you want uh, how do you want people to connect with you that's it hit me up on the website all my social connections are there dougmorno.com um if you reach out um don't be surprised if i respond <laughs> so that's doug morno m-o-r-n like nancy e-a-u Doug, man, knowing uh, how busy you are and everything that you've got going on, really appreciate you joining us here on Beyond Eight Figures and sharing all of that wisdom. Again, check out Doug's book, Three Big Lies. Check out the podcast, Real Marketing, Real Fast. And who knows, maybe uh, if you come to the New Media Summit, you'll have a chance to uh, meet Doug in person at a future summit. Doug, really appreciate you. Man, Richie, uh, appreciate you as well. And I uh, didn't have a chance to share, but our condolences. Uh, I know your your dad passed, and um, just thank you. Love you, brother. So we'll talk to you soon here, everybody. For Richie Ote and White White holding it down in the studio, and Kelly holding it down at headquarters. I'm Steve Olsher. Talk to you next time here on Beyond Eight Figures. Take care, everybody.